Welcome back to Diamond Talk. And today we have pretty much one of the most exciting times of the year. Well, typically the most exciting times of the year, and that's the, the trade deadline. So we're going to get into that a little bit. We also have a special guest for you guys, someone who has done a lot of work with some of our favorites. So Nicole Fernandez is here. Uh, she, will talk to, she will talk to us about some of the great stuff going on in Latin American baseball, Colombia specifically, and just some of the great stuff she does. And, yo, as always, Rob and Nick are here. We didn't fire Nick for this episode. We let him come on. Usually when we have a guest, he's our, he's the guy that we just don't want on because he scares people. But, yo, Rob, Nick, how you guys doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Definitely definitely looking forward to discuss some of these uh, potential trades. And always excited when we can bring another special guest on to the show. I'm great, man. I feel so good not being kicked off an episode when we have a guest. I'm back in the groove. Let's do this. And before before we started, we we just uh, Nick has like three new jobs, so he's he's very busy as an elementary school teacher teaching pretty much every grade K through eight. All right, so let me get, tell you guys a little bit about Nicole. So Nicole is a freelance sport journalist, TV host, content creator, and philanthropist. Uh, she's currently from she's currently in Miami. She's from Miami. Uh, she's a Colombian person. She was born to Colombian parents. She has a passion. To, she has a passion for sports journalism, and bringing people together. Uh, besides writing for sports, she also does shoots and edits of her own stories in both English and Spanish. She has a passion for producing content for her social media, which I'm sure she'll tell you guys all about when we get to that point. Uh, from 2013 to 2014, she worked as a sports reporter and the TV host for Generation Next, which was a youth sports network which aired on NBC Six in South Florida. Uh, since 2014, she's been dedicating herself mostly to sports for nonprofit kids in Colombia. Uh, you can find that out through the Game Time Foundation. Uh, the website for that is GameTimeFoundation.org. In six and a half years at Game Time, they've helped more than 2,500 children in 21 different uh, towns across northern Colombia. Uh, GTF uh, is about impacting children's lives through sports and helping them with their essential equipment. They've started helping baseball and softball teams, but throughout the years, they have also added soccer and basketball as well. So they're, they're doing great work. As of, as of 2016, she jumped, she joined uh, Colombianos MLB as a journalist and video editor. Uh, Colombianos MLB is a Spanish online and social media outlet dedicated to the latest news of Colombian MLB and minor league players. Uh, she was also part of the World Baseball Classic in 2017, which we will get into because I know, uh, at least I'm very excited about that. That, that sounds like some, some great coverage. Uh, she also worked for the FIFA World Cup in Russia in 2018, which is interesting as hell too. Uh, she's a production assistant for Telemundo Deportes, which is a pretty famous one, pretty popular one, especially in, in the Florida area. Uh, since 2019, she's been a freelance sports writer in South Florida and a correspondent for La Vida Baseball. La Vida Baseball produces an association with the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and they celebrate past, present, and future Latino baseball through their own lens and voices. Uh, through a social media account, Nicole has shown Colombian Baseball League games, hometowns of Colombian baseball players, uh, most notably Giovanni Urshela, which I'm sure uh, Rob is really excited about, and Cartagena. 
uh, Jorge Alfaro, which I'm excited about because I love my catchers. And most recently, she was in Marlins Fest. So, Nicole, how are you doing? Thank you for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Sounds weird, that big introduction. I'm like, wow, I've done so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about it with our producer. Uh, and that is quite an impressive resume. You've done some some pretty awesome stuff in your time. I know. It's just, I think you're so hard on yourself. You always, you're always in the next thing that you don't think back everything you've done. So it's nice to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what has been like some of the favorite stuff you've done? Because I, I see you, you had some soccer, you have some baseball, you have the Game Time Foundation. Uh, you know, what's your kind of, what's your passion project? Well, my passion project is, like, overall, I got into sports journalism just because how sports brings people together. When I was in college, the professor was always like, dedicate yourself to uh, journalism that you you love, right? So I think news is a little too tragic. I'm not in, into entertainment, so I'm like, I'm always going to do sports, and I've always loved baseball. I remember in Miami, it used to be Florida Marlins. Now it's Miami Marlins, but I would go to the old stadium with my dad, and I don't know, I was always drawn to baseball. So that's how I got into baseball, and... I always say that through my passion, which is sports journalism, I found my purpose in life, which is to help children through sports. And that's how I started Game Time Foundation and giving back to my parents' country. So overall, like baseball and sports, it's, it's just fun to be in it, to talk about it and not be reminded of like daily things going on. And But yeah, so I think sports overall, it's a good way to network and meet people like just like I'm meeting you guys. So. And we're glad to meet you. By the way, some some of the the notable MLB players that you've interviewed in the past, uh, Salvador Perez. We we love some Salvi. Uh, mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras. I know that Rob hates the Cubs, but most people like the Cubs. Uh, Tyro Estrada, another Yankee, and Avisol Garcia, the Brewer. So mm-hmm. definitely a, an amazing resume, man. So we're we're glad to have you on here. Thank you. And that was an opportunity, thanks to quarantine, that I got. Living the baseball was like, hey, we need to do Instagram lives. Would you like to interview players? I'm like, sure. They were like, okay, but you have to find the players. So all these players that I got to interview, I actually had to DM them on Instagram. And whoever answered, I never thought Salvador Perez was going to answer me on Instagram. I was like, what? And there you go. So it's an opportunity that came through quarantine. And I'm grateful for that because I got to meet great guys. And they were actually pretty down to earth. And I guess they were more comfortable because they're in their own home. A lot of them were like on their beds or in the kitchen with the kids. So I think that brings out another side of of these players when they're comfortable and they're not in the locker room. So that was pretty cool. We love it. So you heard it here. If if you're trying to get interview players, just slide into those DMs. It might might work. (laughs) Maybe it might work. (laughs) Before we get into our topics here, we do have to mention the stuff going on around MLB and the NBA, just in in, in America in, in, in general. And, you know, over this past week, we've seen a lot of news about the shooting that went out in Milwaukee. So, you know, the way that that's affected the MLB, and we are a baseball show, so we have we, we want to connect it. But the way that's affected the MLB is a, a lot of teams have decided in unison to postpone their games, at least for today. We don't know if that's going to go and how, long, how much longer that goes. But, you know, either way, it's a, it's a great way to stand with, with what's happening in the, in the world and specifically in the U.S., but... Hey Rob, what do you what do you think about this, man? What what do you think about everything going on right now and how the MLB is reacting to it? Yeah, I I think the situation is is unfortunate um, in terms of of the shooting. I think you know us as as a society we have to do better. But I think 
I think what we're seeing across sports is, is like you mentioned, this unison of players just finally taking a stand and, and deciding, you know, putting kind of putting themselves in control in a way, really. They're, they're, they're controlling these games. They're the ones, you know, we saw it out in the NBA today. Essentially, all the postseason games canceled. They're the ones that, that are holding the power here and, and choosing not to play. And I think it's a good move for them. Um, and yeah, in, t- in terms of the MOB, I thought it was impressive that, you know, how we saw the we saw the message come up a little earlier with the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners were discussing with the San Diego Padres about postponing their game tonight. And the Seattle Mariners just also happened to have the most uh, African-American players on their roster in the MOB. And, and we've had this discussion, you know, so many times in, in terms of of looking at the percentage of African-American players in the MLB and how it's dropped in recent years and how we wish that that percentage would go back up and we can get more African-American players in the league. So I think it's a very positive thing that the team that just so happens to to have the most um, African-American players on their team are the are essentially the first ones to, to take this step forward. I know that there were a lot of games that ended up being played today because they were you know, pretty much they were just early on in the day before the the stuff with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic kind of uh, started to happen. But I do think probably tomorrow we're going to see uh, a lot more, if not all the games uh, canceled. Um, and yeah, man, I, I think it's definitely a good move. Um, like, like I said before, I think it's important for for athletes, whether it's the MLB, the NBA, the NFL, to pretty much be in unison and uh, and continue to make this message stronger. And for you guys who don't know, J- Jacob Blake is the name of the person who was shot in the back while he was pretty much trying to get into his car while his kids were in the car, and poli- police officers pretty much put seven shots into his back. Uh, so that's that's the reason why the the protests and just pretty much the the leagues and the players in the leagues kind of standing up for standing up against police brutality and things like that. You know, we'll go. We'll go to Nick. Nick, what was your thought on everything happening? Uh, I love what the players are doing. I love what the MLB is doing. I the MLB is probably the toughest to do any sort of activist work in, just because it is every day. So if you do strike, it's. I mean, a week is seven games. Where in other sports, it's one or three. But I, I love the way the players are coming together. <clears throat> you got Jack Flaherty and uh, Dexter Fowler in St. Louis saying we're not playing. You got the Giants canceled with the Dodgers, which I completely expected as soon as I heard about the Bucks situation. I just had a feeling the Giants with Gabe Kapler as their manager would sit out this game, if not a few games. Um, My only thing to it is, what are you looking to get out of it by doing this? I love the idea. I love the movement. I love everything about it because it needs to be so much awareness around the situation with Black Lives Matter. And there's, I don't think you can bring enough attention to it, whether it's, you know, I, I'm going to use the words positive or negative, meaning do you go out and, you know, protest for it in a positive way, or do you hold back from playing a major sport and could be considered a negative way. But either way, as long as there's attention brought to it, I just would love to know what the players, teams, owners, whoever's behind this, what are they really looking to get out of this? Because ultimately what we're talking about is change in the system and can sports and athletes really make that change? But like really, they just need to put together what they want out of it, what their protest is going to mean besides awareness. I think there needs to be actions brought about after this and it would be nice to see what their thoughts and actions are to actually have change in the world and our society, not just I don't like what's going on so I'm not going to play for a game and then nothing else happens after that. 
And you bring up a good point. What happens after this and going forward? And I'm going to say it, you know, beyond the election, because it's, it's not just about the election and all this stuff happening, you know. You know, I hope that even after 2020 election, whatever, that things do keep moving in, in, in a positive direction and that this, this, all this stuff isn't just forgotten, which, I, you know, unfortunately, it's a fear. So, Nicole, I know that uh, Colombia, in, in certain aspects, they, they also have some racial tensions within their own country, which it's, it's, it's a thing all across Latin America, whether, you know, people know it or not. But, you know, when you hear about what's happening in Milwaukee, what, what are your thoughts? Well, you're absolutely right. It happens a lot, especially in Latin American countries. And when you travel, you actually see it as well. But I think it's good that the players are standing up for themselves. I think for once, people aren't afraid to speak up before people would stay quiet, whether what people would think or whether they would think they would get fired. But now I think this unity is important. And I think it's the first step to many to, you know, for have the conversation. If it wouldn't be for what's going on tonight, we wouldn't be talking about this. So I think that's the first step into making changes. So I think that's very important. And I, I support that the teams did this today with NBA and the MLB. So I think it's awesome. It's a great first step to making a difference. We love it. And look, the, the one thing that we'll say, and I, I don't want to speak for the show and for SAW, but look, we, we want equality. We, we want people of all colors and races and whatever, just be able to have a, you know, a free and happy life and not have to, you know, walk down the street worried about what's going to happen to them. So, you know, we, we talked about it before, but we, we stand with the players. We support what, you know, people like the, the NBA and, and the MLB are doing today. Because, you know, it matters, man. It, it's, it's real life. So it, it transcends sports. So, you know, mm-hmm. whether taking a day off or, you know, taking the day to, to you know, raise awareness is going to make a difference. I don't really know. But like Nicole said, we're talking about it. And that's at least a step in the, in the right direction. Talking about steps in the right direction. We, we got to talk about a man who's taken a lot of steps in the right direction. And, and that is Mr. Albert Pujols. Nick, how about, how about you tell us about what happened this past week? Yeah, so Albert Pujols just moved from number four to number three on the all-time RBI list, passing up Alex Rodriguez, and he's number three behind Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth. So he's got 2,087 RBIs now, 227 behind Babe Ruth for number two, and 310 behind Hank Aaron for number one. And, I mean, the best thing about Albert Pujols to me is he's done it right his entire career, and his entire career he's been absolutely amazing. And... His first 10 years in the league just blow away so many others. A 331 average, average 111 uh, runs per game, 135 RBIs per game, and I believe 33 home runs a game. And, you know, I've on I've been on this show talking about how I need to change my attitude about Mike Trout and how I'm going to become a witness instead of thinking about what's going to happen next. And Albert Pujols is the guy that I held on to for so long about being better than Mike Trout the first 10 years. And it's a great time to just revel in his greatness. And just to put it in perspective for everybody else, the next three current players on the RBI list are Miguel Cabrera at number 24 with 1,708. So only 280 behind. That's a, or sorry, 380 behind. It's a pretty good amount of RBIs behind Albert Pools as the next active on the list. Then you go to Robinson Cano at 121 on the list with 1,285. And Edward and Canacion at 134 on the list with 1,284. So to think about, these guys have played almost as long as Albert. Albert does have a few more years than they do. 
but he's got so many more RBIs. He's got so many more home runs. Just the accolades that he's accumulated over the years and the stats are still mind-boggling. And Albert Pujols, I don't think it's put up there enough with one of the greatest that's ever played the game. He's not the GOAT, but he is one of the greatest to ever play the game. And he, because of his falling off the last couple of years, especially with average compared to what he was, I think he's getting hit too hard with people who are expecting. I mean, what were you really expecting from this guy throughout his entire career? He's produced everything you could ever imagine. And instead of hating on him for declining, I think we should really prop him up for how good he's been. And I guess my question to everybody that's on the panel today is, do you guys think he's going to pass? He needs 310 more home runs, and he's averaged 94 RBIs a year the last five years in Anaheim. Do you guys think he's going to get that next contract to pass up the RBI total from Hank Aaron? I'll start it off. I'll, I'll, I'll flat out just say no. I think the the analytic way that we think of the game today there's not a lot of game-to-game value that Albert Pujols is bringing, unfortunately. And look, yeah, the, the numbers look pretty decent. You're, you're telling me I'm going to get 20 and close to 100 RBIs from from my first baseman, and most people will take that in a heartbeat, you know what I mean? But then you, you attach the, you know, the defense kind of declined a little bit. He's probably going to have to DH. Are there better options? Yeah, possibly. You know, to me, he's still one of the best pure hitters in the game. Well, not one of the best, but he's – Still a really good pure hitter when it comes down to, hey, you need an RBI? I'm going to hit a single the other way, or I'm going to hit a single down up the middle. And he can still do that really effectively. So I hope he does. You know what I mean? I, I definitely hope he does. I just don't think he will the way we think about the game and, and older players today. But what about you, Rob? Yeah, I would say I would say the thing for Albert is I think he does pass Hank Aaron for RBIs. I think by the time Albert retires, he's he's going to be number one on the RBI list. And I think what I disagree with you in the in the sense that I do think he's going to get a deal after the the L.A. Uh, Angels deal is done simply because, like like you said, his defense might not be the best thing for first base. You might have to shift them over to DH where, wherever, you know, whatever team ends up signing him. But at the same time, you really do have to analyze, are there really better options at DH? Like you can make the argument if there, that there, there might be better hitters in terms of average or anything. But with Albert, if you put him at DH, I mean, the last couple years of his career, I'm not going to try to predict the future or anything, but the last couple years of his career, I mean, he's pretty much been a consistent like 2090 guy. Not saying that he's going to keep averaging 90 RBIs a season, you know, for the for the seasons that that remain of his career, however long it goes. But I do think he's close enough where, you know, two or three more good seasons might put him right there. I do think he he does end up passing Hank Aaron for the RBIs. I don't think he's going to end up passing guys like Hank Aaron or Barry Bonds on the home run list. I do think he's going to end up uh, cracking the 700 home run club. But yeah, I think it's overall great for Albert. I think. You know, we've we've talked about it a lot before. It's such a great thing for for the Latino community too. like to have such a such a guy that so many people admire in this sport to be, you know, whether he ends up fourth, third, fourth all time in home runs and first or second all time in, in RBIs. Like it, it, it's just so great for us, especially when you have guys like and, and, you know, Nick has talked about it before. You know, I consider 
when you're talking about Latino players, I consider Roberto Clemente to be like the top standard of, 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 you know, elite Latino players to, to grace an, an MOB field. And Albert Pujols, by the, when he retires, I mean, he's going to be right there in that conversation as well as one of the best Latino players we've ever seen. So I think it's, I think it's great for him. It's great for baseball. And I, I think any team should give him the opportunity if he's close to continue to strive to try to break that record. There you go, Nicole. What about you? I agree, I agree with Rob, especially that besides him being Latino, I think his age, he's 40 years old. And I think that surpasses whether you're Latino or not, that I think a player with with experience, you, you, you still got it in you. I think sometimes when you're a player reaches a certain age, they think like, okay, you're done. But I think he's an example that age is not a, it's nothing but a number and he still has power in himself. So I think it's pretty, pretty cool for everyone to still see him playing baseball in the way that he plays it in. So, yeah, I think he still has a couple more years in him. There you go, man. Yo, but by the way, Nick, what do you think about it? Cause you're the one that, that posted a question. I'm glad you asked. Hell yeah. He's going to get the chance. There's going to be some team that's going to give him the chance to be the all-time RBI leader on their team. It's going to happen, whether it's a crappy team that needs the marketing or I would not be surprised because Albert seems to be a genuine dude. I think he just wants to play to get it, and it's not to be disrespectful and hold on until he gets it, but I think he really cherishes being number one in something with how good his career has been. And I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a very, very cheap contract just to play for you know four or five more years and just be on a team that he can get RBI spots, whether it's DHing, pinch hitting, whatever it may be, but not to be like a mainstay first baseman or like the DH, but a guy that can be in there every so often and just get a few RBIs. And I really, really, really would not be surprised if the Yankees were the team that it happens with. Yo, why are you kissing up to Rob? Why? It's not that, man. Like the, the Yankees understand history. They always have, they always will. Their franchise is built around gods, not just players, but gods. And Albert is one of those guys. And Albert understands the history of the game. And I don't I just I don't think he's gonna be opposed to any team, but it would just make I think it's gonna be a historic team. It's gonna be the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants. It's gonna be, you know, one of the teams that's just been around forever and has that mystique. Maybe the A's, who knows? Could Wait, be the Reds. Nick, but yeah. Nick, let me pose this question to you real quick. With in terms of looking at Albert's career, right? Since you just mentioned him potentially going to the Yankees, do we think and 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 let's look at it this way. If we're looking strictly from a marketing standpoint, right? Like like your ability to market Albert breaking the the RBI record, right? Do we think there's any possibility that he reconciles with St. Louis? Because with the DH becoming expanded now, I mean, that opens up a lot more jobs in the NL as well. I don't. And the only reason I don't is because I think the Cardinals can't waste the spot on him. Their competitiveness is based on all 26 players on their roster being a productive guy day in and day out. And they can't, I don't think they can afford the position spot on Albert to kind of sit there for when he's needed or when he's healthy. The Yankees can, the Dodgers can, and the Giants suck so bad that they can. So, like, there's a few teams that can afford it. I don't think the Cardinals are one of them. That would be magical and romantic. And yeah. baseball the fans would love it. The, the oh, St. Louis fans Every would love fan. it. Every fan would love it. Even Yankees fans would love it. Yeah. I'll, say this. I'll be honest with you. I think after his contract's up, I think he retires and he signs, like, a one-day contract with St. Louis – 
maybe he stays on there for as like a, I don't know, maybe as like a, not player coach, but kind of just, he'll go to spring training and he'll retire before the, the season starts. I think that, that's my personal thought on it. I don't know. Let's go from, from one historical player to one historical moment. And on Tuesday night, Mr. Giolito from the Chicago White Sox absolutely lit it up, man. And, and Rob has more on that. Yeah, it was it was great for Lucas Giolito, man. I, I was watching part of the game last night. I think I started watching around like the seventh inning. You know, that's when you really start to get that no hitter vibe. You also don't want to try to try to jinx things a lot. But yeah, I, wa- I watched Giolito pitch last night. I mean, dude was on it. I think he had like 13 Ks. Um, he was just really dominant. I was real scared for him on that last hitter because that off the bat, that definitely looked to me like it was going to be a single to right field. Uh, so I- I'm definitely glad that they were able to, to make that catch for him. But I think it's a great moment for him. It's a great moment for the White Sox. You know, it's always great when you have a young guy as the number one guy of your staff to do something like this. I mean, it has to be it has to be encouraging for the White Sox moving forward. And it also has to be encouraging for the White Sox in the present because the White Sox are currently, you know, trying to make a a playoff push. And you're definitely going to need a guy like Lucas Giolito to be performing at pretty close to the level that he was performing at last year. If you want to have any chance of of making real waves in the, in the postseason. So that was, that was great for him. Um, And yeah, it it was just a a really great achievement. I I saw earlier today too, that his, uh, his mom uh, gave him like a shout out on Twitter so that was pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, every time you can see, you can um, get to see a no hitter. It's great as a baseball fan. I just, it's one of those things that I was worried about where I said, man, I really hope something historic or big doesn't happen with no fans in the stadium. And we just got the 304th no hitter in MLB history with, you know, cutouts in a stadium. So in a way that kind of sucks, but I'm sure it's still great for Lucas Giolito to be able to add that to his resume. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to allow Nick talk, to talk about Giolito just because I know that he said some hateful things before before the episode. Wow. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, Nick. What do, you, what do you got on this whole Giolito no-hitter thing? Man, I love it. I, I didn't think Giolito would be the guy, and he did amazing last year. He's got a no-hitter under his belt. So, to me, it's amazing. Uh, I just It's surprising to see this guy resurrect his career from being a top prospect in Washington, get out of there, go to White Sox, and all of a sudden – He's the ace that they always talked about, and I love it when prospects come to full fruition and just meet their expectations. I hope he keeps doing it. I hope he's the next, you know, ace, you know, a top 10 pitcher year in, year out for the next 10 years because that's fun to watch. It's really fun to expect somebody to do well and then watch him for the year and him actually do well. So, and I always love seeing a no-hitter. I only threw one in my career in high school, and it was amazing. So to uh, to see it, I got to see Matt Cain's perfect game. So I know what it's like to be at the stadium during one of these. And it's just a magical event. I would love it if he can continue his dominance and just keep being this guy uh, for for years to come in, in Chicago. Nicole, did you catch any of that Giolito no-hitter? I did, and I actually saw his mom's tweet. So I think that was pretty awesome to see. I think this season has been weird, but when things like this happen, it makes – the season even better because it's something to look forward to. And I was actually watching the Marlins game and it, the announcer said it. So I was pretty cool. And I checked it on Twitter and I don't know, I think it's cool things like that, especially like I mentioned again, the season has been weird for so many reasons. And when something like that happens, like a no hitter, I think it brings the team together. It's like a new joy. So I don't know. It's pretty cool to see on social media, everything unfold because of the no hitter. So. Gotta love it, man. Look, and, and Giolito, I, 
can we can we I think we can officially say that he is their ace. I, I don't think we got we got to wait around. I think he's shown the last two years that he's he's being consistent. He came back this year, and you see what he did yet uh, on Tuesday, and it's it's amazing. So good good for Giolito. He did have some some struggle there in his career, so it's glad we're glad that he's back and and doing what everyone thought he would. I, quick story, man. I, I had a my roommate in college lost his perfect game to a to an error by our shortstop in the last inning with like one out left. It was the most heartbreaking thing ever. He got the no hitter, but obviously not the perfect game, but. I don't know why that, that that just reminded me of that. It was just I, I'm sorry, Shane. I'm sorry to have to remind you of, of, of that moment, and Ryan too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to both of you guys. But anyway, let's get let's get to our main topic tonight. And we have the trade deadline coming up. We know that this is a weird year. You know, for instance, there's no there's no minor league games being played, so scouting is a little bit different. You kind of have to go off some old data. Uh, you know, other things that changed. Obviously, we're a we're a month into the season. And we have basically a month left, and that's not really a lot to, to go to go off when you're t- talking about trade candidates. And, you know, push that even further, there's 16 teams making the playoffs this year, which I don't know if that makes the market bigger or smaller because you have more teams, you know, talking about possible trades. But, you know, we're, we're kind of just going to go down the list of people. And these are guys who – who our, our own uh, Rob has noted down as possible trade targets. And there's some of the bigger names or at least the more notable names that could possibly be traded. And by the way, we've already seen some small trades. Uh, the Yankees, they got Rob Brantley and they pretty much just gave up a $5 foot long subway ticket. So stuff like that is more likely to happen. But I'm, I'm going to start with, with Nick. Nick, do you think Mike Clevenger goes anywhere this year? I do, sadly, because uh, I think he's burned all his bridges, all of his bridges in Cleveland. He's become a clubhouse annoyance, and there's players that don't want to play with him anymore, and it sucks because the talent is there. So I do think Clevenger moves. I think he moves to a team that is progressive, it allows their players to talk, allows their players to be themselves, and doesn't really put a whole lot of restrictions on what can be done. It's a team that has the minor league system to afford trading for a big name pitcher, but also is smart enough to take advantage of a bad situation and a bad taste in Cleveland's mouth. I think Mike Clevenger goes to the A's. Spicy. All right. So we have Nick with with Mike Clevenger's A's. Uh, What about you, Nicole? Do you think Mike Clevenger's moving? To be honest, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know him that well to give an answer. (laughs) All right, look, we'll take that. Clevenger is definitely one of those up and coming names. So, not, not unless you're from Ohio, you're probably you're probably not familiar with him. No, <laughs> so, Rob, what about you, man? What do you think's happening with Clevenger? Yeah, so I, I think, like Nick mentioned, I it's a, it's an unfortunate situation to begin with because I think a lot of us viewed Clevenger as like that number one, number two guy in Cleveland. I mean, I, I know at least on my end, once they got rid of Corey Kluber. I thought, you know, Mike Clevenger and Shane Bieber, these are the two guys that are going to lead the Indians into the next phase of their team. Um, I do think my, this, this is where my answer is going to be a little bit different. I do think he gets traded. I just don't think he gets traded this year. So I think Cleveland is going to find a trade partner. I just think that with everything that's been going on with our season so far, 
I think they're going to hold off because even though it's a bad situation, but coming into this season, you could argue that Mike Clevenger was probably one of the most valuable pitchers that you could trade for. So I don't know if Cleveland's going to be willing to sell low on him right now, rather than just waiting till the off season and seeing what the offers are looking like. Yeah, that's a good point too, because his numbers right now are trash. I mean, three point two four yeah. ERA, no, and we all had him. We all had him as a top ten pitcher coming into the season. So it's like yeah. going from a top ten pitcher to that. Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell low on a guy who I know I can get way more for. So I'm like, even though, even if they do want to move him, which I do think they, they do, I do, I don't think he's gonna be in a Cleveland Indian past next season. But I think it might be in their best interest just to wait a little bit and see and don't kind of, don't kind of feel forced just to move him for, for something that you don't consider valuable. Yeah, and I thought he's a good trade target for the Indians this year only because he's been so up and down with his performance and his injury status that this is like this is kind of a Cleveland guy in the idea that his arbitration isn't going to be very much no matter how good he is because he just doesn't put up the amount of numbers and stats and innings that you need. So... I think he's a good trade candidate. It would be very much a sell low. But with, I mean, when Clubhouse turmoil makes its way to media and social media, that's when you know it's really bad. If it can't stay in-house, especially in a baseball field or a baseball dugout, then you know it's really, really bad. So I think he gets traded not because of the talent level or the or the haul to get back, but I don't know if Cleveland can keep him and keep their team happy. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I'll say this about the whole Clevenger thing. It doesn't make sense for Cleveland to move him right now. You know, if you, you just mentioned how cheap his arbitration might be. He's making four, he was scheduled to make $4.1 million this year. We mentioned how sketchy his numbers are. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if, if he gets that big, big money in arbitration. You know, I, I don't see it happen, especially not this year. You can get a lot more for him in, in a different situation. So, I think Cleveland is just gonna go and you know they're not they're not really gonna they're gonna move him this year. I, I I agree more with Rob with that. If they do move him, it will probably be in the off season. And I'll give you guys a, a little spoiler. That's pretty much gonna be my thought on on most of these. All right, but let's let's move on to our next guy, man. That's gonna be Dylan Bundy. And you know I'm absolutely loving this. I'm taking my victory lap. Lap. I mean he's he's been great for the Angels. And let me preface that he's been great for the Angels. Because the Angels have been absolutely trash. Like, holy crap. I don't know who expects them to be that bad. But they're, they're worse than that person What might have thought. So I'll start with you, Rob. Uh, what do you think about Dylan Bundy if he's going anywhere? Yeah, I think Dylan's staying put. I think he stays He stays on the Angels. Uh, I, I posted when I, when I talked about him a little bit the other day, I, I pretty much said the Angels are kind of stuck. Because it's like you really – you really do need Dylan Bundy, but Dylan Bundy is also pitching at a level that I don't think is consistent of Dylan Bundy. So you're kind of stuck in that area where you have to decide whether you're trying to sell high on on this performance, which I don't think is what he's going to be. You know, even if you're looking short term next two or three seasons, I don't th- me personally, I just don't think he's going to be this type of pitcher. So um, I would probably say he stays but simply just because they need him. But they could very easily just pull the trigger and sell high. But I would say, look, if he's working out for you, like I originally had for him, where you know I essentially said, if you pick up Dylan Bundy, he's essentially a number four or five guy for you. If the Angels want to push, maybe move him down to like number three, you know, because I don't know if, um, I think Griffin Canning has been injured this season. I'm not sure though. 
But I think, you know, when you look at the Angels and you're looking at guys like Canning and uh, Andrew Haney and, and things like that, Dylan might be better situated for that three or four. So they might keep him there. But I don't know, man. Selling high is kind of tempting on him. What about you? What do you What about you, Nick? What do you think? Uh, Dylan Bundy's gone. There's no reason for the Angels to keep him. He's on a one-year deal. He's got arbitration next year. So even if he does have a good season, it's not going to be that high because he doesn't have the history. I think it'd be awesome if he got traded back to Baltimore since they actually are in the race. But since I don't see that actually happening, he's going somewhere. I mean, everybody needs pitching. So, I mean, it could be the Yankees, San Diego, Twins, Braves. I mean, there's so many places for this guy to go. But I don't see him being an angel at the end of the year, not just because his contract's up, but I see him getting traded for literally anything. Because if the Angels get back anything past this year, I know they're not going to resign Dylan Bundy. So anything would be better than nothing. Yeah, I think the, my big question with them is where. I don't necessarily know where he fits. I know it's going to sound weird, but San Diego maybe. I, I can see him going down the coast and, and being able to, to help them out, even if it's just another depth starter for, for the rest of this year. Because they have a lot of young guys. I, I don't think we see Mackenzie Gore this year. So might as well have somebody that's been a little successful. Petco's a pitcher-friendly park that will probably agree with uh, Mr. Bundy. So you're right. Like, there's, there's no reason for him not to get moved. It's just going to be where. And I see it being one of, like, those uh, fringe playoff teams making that move. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the Marlins do it because I think the Marlins have too much, you know, for their future right now that they have stocked up. But, you know, maybe maybe a team in the NL West makes a move. A team not named the Dodgers, because I don't think they'd make a move for him either. All right, let's let's group some of these guys together, all right? So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three guys, right? And pretty much I just want you to tell me if you think they're going anywhere. And if you don't, just you know, just just flat out say it and and we'll just move on from there. So this group right here is gonna be the pitchers, it's gonna be Taewon Walker. Uh, Lance Lynn, let's go with those two guys. I think those two guys are, are pretty close to what they bring to the table. So Taewon Walker and, and Lance Lynn. Taewon Walker kind of – he's doing really well for Seattle right now. He's a guy who historically has struggled a little bit. Lance Lynn, he's been doing really good, but we know that he's not really that that guy to get you to the, the next level in the postseason. So, you know, we'll stick with you, Nick. Uh, do you think any of those two guys move anywhere? I don't think Taewon Walker goes anywhere. I saw the rumors with him going to the Yankees. I think that's more of a Mariners and Yankees long history of trades rather than it actually being an actual option. His whip is really good, but his ERA and his strikeout-to-walk ratio are not that good. So I don't see him going anywhere. And I should have started the whole thing off with this. I, I hate this about baseball. This is the only part that I don't really like talking about is trades because – I completely blew my load back when Hunter Pence got traded to the Giants. I called the exact trade that happened where it was Nate Shearholtz and a catcher going to the Phillies for Hunter Pence. And I will be wrong on every trade projection I make from now on. But I do see Lance Lane going somewhere, and I think he goes to the Rays. I think it's a perfect fit from this year. He doesn't. He's not owed that much money. Next year, he's only owed 9.3, and then he's a free agent, so there's nothing past next year. And if he doesn't, keep up his performance, which his performance right now is absolute insanity. On top of what he did last year, he's got a 1.59 ERA and an 0.860 whip with a with basically a 3-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio with 50 strikeouts and 14 walks. 
he's absolutely an ace right now. And if you put that on the Rays with what they already have, you add a depth piece to the starting rotation and anybody comes along, hint, hint, Tyler Glass now and decides to start pitching like he can, that is an even more dangerous team and it does not cost them very much. And I can't imagine the Rangers are going to ask for very much back from the Rays and they have lots to offer. So I see him going to the Rays. All right, man. Look, and I'll get right into it for me. I think Taylor Walker does get moved just because, you know, I believe he's in a one-year deal anyway. So Seattle's rebuilding. They're probably just going to try to get pieces back. They can re-sign him after the year. So I think they try. I don't think he's going to the Yankees. I'll say that. Look, I don't think the Yankees make a splash move like that for, for many reasons. And I, and I hope they don't either. So any, I'm going to dead any kind of anybody to Yankee trades right here right now for me. I don't think the Yankees get anybody. As far as Lance Lynn go, we've had Lance Lynn. I don't want Lance Lynn. I don't. I think he's a like. I think regular season wise, he's a very effective pitcher. If we were playing 162 games this year and we were in July, yes, I, I would absolutely want Lance Lynn because he's going to eat up some innings for me, and it's not going to be terrible. But this season, let's be honest, it's it, it's playoffs or nothing really. Half the teams that are going to be in the playoffs are kind of. I don't want to say locked in, but they're kind of already there. So can he help a team? Absolutely. Do, do I want it to be my team? Absolutely not. Uh, Rob, what's your take on these two guys? Yeah, so uh, on these two guys, I also saw the rumors uh, for Walker going to New York. I don't think he's going to move. I think New York is definitely a possibility if he does move, but I'm also looking at another guy in Seattle in uh, Marco Gonzalez being connected to the Yankees. Both, of the, both, I saw a lot of rumors for both of those guys being connected uh, to the Yankees. And like you mentioned, Seattle and New York are in love with each other when it comes to trades. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it if they make another one happen. But in terms of Lance Lynn, I have Lance Lynn actually shooting over to the NL. And I wrote down two teams for him. I have the Braves and the Dodgers simply because those are those are two teams that are going to be in heavy postseason contention. And Lance Lynn is he's not necessarily a difference maker, but he's definitely a guy who can eat up innings and and strengthen any rotation. We know Atlanta is hurt because of the Soroka loss. Um, and, you know, before the season, they had Felix Hernandez, who wasn't uh, who opted out of the season. They had Cole Hamels, who wasn't going to pitch. So out the gate, their rotation was already weaker than they were expecting it to be. Um, so Lance Lynn might be a solid pickup for them, as well as the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are, are going to be looking for, for starting pitcher help. And even though we're going to see a lot of places connect the Dodgers to a guy like Mike Clevenger, because he's the more, you know, obviously the more attractive name to trade for, um, like I mentioned, a guy like Lance Lynn is is very effective and cheap. You're not going to have to give up a lot for him. The Dodgers are probably going to have to send Texas maybe like one of their prospects, um, maybe two. And it's it's not going to be any other top prospects. Um, so they could pull off that trade very easily. And after this season, he only has one year and $10 million left on his deal, I believe. So he's not really that expensive of a pitcher for the type of production that you might potentially get from him. So I definitely pay attention to those two teams in terms of Lance Lynn. There you go, man. Right, let's let's talk about some lefties here. Uh, a big name who has kind of struggled this year, Matthew Boyd and Robbie Ray of the Diamondbacks. And we'll stick with you, we'll stick with you Rob, because I know uh, you've had some – these are guys who have both been connected to the Yankees, and it feels like everyone's been connected to the Yankees, but these two specifically, especially after they missed out on Corbin – have been guys linked to the pinstripe. So, so what, do you think these guys are going anywhere? 
Yeah, so I I think both of these guys get moved and I actually so for both of them, I connected both of them to the Yankees because I mean, they've been connected to the Yankees before and the Yankees are still looking for pitching like they are every year. And I also wrote down Atlanta for both of these guys as well. I think they're two guys that Atlanta can acquire. Um, I don't think Atlanta is going to acquire Lance Lynn and Boyd and Ray, but I do think one of those three um, Atlanta probably definitely has to be paying attention to. And, and specifically for Robbie Ray, I also wrote down the Toronto Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are, are, are in the market for, for starting pitching. I had, I had mentioned them along with another guy like a Trevor Williams um, from Pittsburgh. I, th- I think the Blue Jays, you know, seeing themselves in, in contention right there, like, like, they're not super strong, but you know, they, they're definitely looking like they might make that last second push when the 60 games are up for a seventh or, or, or an eighth seed this year. Um, so they're, they're definitely looking in the starting pitching department, but I will say one thing though, I do agree with you that I don't necessarily think the Yankees are going to make, uh, a crazy splash this, this trade deadline. But if the Yankees were going to trade for a starting pitcher, I am not going to change my opinion that the starting pitcher that the Yan- that the starting pitcher that the Yankees should have traded for uh for the like the last two seasons and has become one of the most popular guys in all the MLB is Trevor Bauer. And I know that is not going to be cheap because I I I do believe Trevor Bauer is is, is pitching very effectively this season last that I had looked at his numbers and it wasn't going to be very cheap even like 2 years ago. But this has been a guy that I've been on the Yankees to try to trade for. I don't think it's going to happen. But if I needed a guy to come join this rotation right now, especially because the rotation, you don't know where the rotation is going past this season. Trevor Bauer is a guy that, I, that I'm looking at. Yo, no spoilers, man. He's coming up next. Oh, well, there you go. I mean. Too, too late. Too late. No, I'm <laughs> tired of you. I don't, you're, you're done for the, for the rest of the show. Yo, Nick, what do you think about about those two guys and you can also add Trevor Bauer into it because because Rob's out here ruining things he's just making the episode go faster for our listeners nothing wrong with that speed it up uh Matt Boyd doesn't go anywhere he's he's too valuable to the Tigers in my opinion I don't think he's going to get the return mostly because of his inconsistencies his high end is great and any team would love to have it but if you're going into playoffs and we know the Tigers have not seen the playoffs for a minute, and Matt Boyd has not pitched in the playoffs. It's really tough for a guy that's that inconsistent to give up anything for him when you're talking about going for the playoffs. And Robbie Ray, man, he's leading the major league, he's leading Major League Baseball in walks. That's not the guy you're trading for to go in the playoffs. I don't see Robbie Ray going anywhere because he's a free agent next year. And really a guy who's got a two, 2.00 whip. And we're talking about guys that have a 0.8 whip. I don't think Robbie Ray goes anywhere. I don't know what he would give for anybody because his strikeouts aren't that high this year at only 35. And he's got 25 walks. He changed his delivery in the offseason to be short-arming, more like Lucas Lucas Giolito, uh, but obviously from the left side. I don't think he's really caught on to the changes he wanted to make. And so... I just don't see him going anywhere right now because it's too inconsistent. And with a complete change in philosophy and how you throw in physical motion, there's too much gamble to put on him to give up any sort of prospects. And when he's pitching this bad and Trevor Bauer, my notes are yes, he'll get traded, but I have no idea where. And I wrote down seven different teams that I think could use him. Um, So if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with two only because I think his attitude, his personality fits in both of these locations very well. 
The A's are one for the same reasons I talked about with Mike Clevenger. Number two is San Diego because this guy is all aboard the Fernando Tatis Jr. train. And I think this guy, I think Trevor Bauer would go absolutely nuts if he got to pitch for them. And he would be the best teammate for Fernando Tatis Jr. and everybody over there. And I think he would fit right into San Diego and just keep shoving and maybe give him a real ace. And then if you call up Mackenzie Gore, who looks like another real ace, and you've got uh, Chris Paddock, who is currently a real ace, you've got three aces. Who knows what San Diego could do? And Trevor Bauer strikes me as the kind of guy that would rather be happy with where he's at than make a lot of money. And if he goes to San Diego and he's a happy camper with his teammates in the city and everything, that could be a nice little deal and a little extension when he's up for free agency next year. So, so this is, so it's weird, man. Like I'll, I'll come out and say it. I'm not a fan of Matthew Boyd or, or Robbie Ray. Like, like I get it. They're lefties and, and they've had their shares of success. But for me, Neither of them are a guy that pushed the envelope, right? So especially in a shortened season, they're not – they don't excite me. You know what I mean? And especially as a Yankee fan, there's a lot of guys who put on the pinstripes and go from okay to really bad or go from okay to, you know, having some of the best moments in their careers. But I don't really see that with Matt Boyd or or, or Robbie Ray. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I see it closer with Boyd, but even then, I don't really love it. I wouldn't be excited, especially because you, you would have to give up something decent for, for Matt Boyd. And, and for Robbie Ray, I, I've just never really been that big of a fan of Robbie Ray. So do they get traded, though? I don't think Boyd gets traded. I, you know, I, I think he's going to stay there in, in Detroit. I don't see a reason why they would trade him right now. Robbie Ray, you know, he's killing his own value. You can't really leave the, the NL in walks and expect anybody to trade something good for you. So... I think he, he might get he might get traded. You know, I, I can see a, a team kind of just someone lacking some pitching depth, kind of just say, Hey yeah, why not? We'll take we'll take the shot just to fill out the rest of the season. But other than that, like it's it's not really exciting to me. And then Trevor Bauer, I think the Cincinnati Reds think they can still make the playoffs this year. And with the expanded the expanded uh what's it called playoff brackets. There's no reason for them not to just try to get the most out of this year. Now, granted, if someone brings them an offer and says, look, we'll, we'll give you this, this B-type prospect, you know, I think they might think about pulling that trigger. You know, and San Diego has, has a prospect to do it, so it's not crazy. But other than that, I, I do really feel that Cincinnati still wants to compete. That, that's a team that can get really hot. They have Sonny Gray, who, who you know, does awesome. Luis Castillo's there, too, so... For me, it's, it's not out of the question for them to to make a run out of playoff spot and see how they fare with that three headed monster in the playoffs. Uh, all right, last two guys here, and it's going to be from the sunken ship called the Red Sox. It's JD Martinez, who is now uh, Baby Castellanos, and Andrew Benatendi, who he is kind of just. He, he, he went from an up-and-coming player to a guy that really nobody gives a crap about, as, as much as I hate to say that. He just hasn't lived up to that expectation. But, you know, I'll start with you, Nick. What do you, what do you think J.D. or Andrew Bentendi go anywhere? I do not, and I think we get to call J.D. baby Castellanos now instead of calling Castellanos baby J.D. after this year. But uh, J.D. Martinez's contract, I think, is too big, and he's too pinholed into being a D.H., so I just don't see him 
he can't play outfield very well. So where, where are you really going to go where somebody needs just a DH and maybe a part-time outfielder? I just don't see a spot for him. And this has nothing to do with his lack of production this year because he is one of the best hitters in the game. He still is, even with his numbers this year. But I just don't see it being a popular choice for him to be moved. I don't know who's going to pay that contract in the times that we have now where next year, I mean, you know, the next few years, you got so many guys coming out. I would rather go after the money of a Xander Bogarts than a JD Martinez to try to get off that team. And for Benintendi, I, I think if the Red Sox are willing to sell low, which you're not likely to do in a rebuild, then yes, he'll go. But it's going to be, I think, in a package with somebody else. And the only way I think the Red Sox get to trade Benintendi is if they package a Xander Bogarts with him to go somewhere like the Indians, where they could use more outfield, take the chance on it, and then also use uh, a shortstop because they don't really have a number one shortstop right now. So I think it'd be a package deal. I don't think he's going by himself, and he's just been so inconsistent. The upside's there for sure, but he just has not proven himself to be a good trade chip. Look, I'll say this about JD. As much struggles as he's had this year, if you're a team that thinks you compete this year and next year, and you're not giving up too much as far as prospect kind of capital and stuff like that, like I might pull that trigger. I, just because we know how good he can be as a hitter. And not for nothing, I feel like right now Boston's a toxic, toxic ash place to be. You don't want to play for, for a team that is just saying, look, we're, we're giving up here. We're, we don't really want to win any games. Like, that's not a place for a, a successful player to want to play at. You know, we, we talk about Trout and the Angels, but the Angels make efforts. Are they misguided efforts? Yeah, maybe. But Boston has pretty much came out and said, look, we're going to suck and we're going to have fun doing it. And I think if you're a player like J.D. Martinez, who's also from the South Florida area, he does, he definitely doesn't want to do that, man. He, he, just, he just doesn't. And Andrew Benatendi, this is, this is definitely a knock on the Red Sox. So I'm just going to say it. You guys traded for a slightly, a maybe slightly better version of Andrew Benatendi when you got Alex Verdugo. So might, might as well just trade him because they, they're the same guy. And in my opinion, they're pretty much almost the same guy. So try to trade them. Do, they, do any of them get traded? I don't think they do. I, I really don't think they do as much as the, the Red Sox might want to do that within their organization. Yo, Rob, what about you, man? You think these guys go anywhere? Yeah, I don't know if either JD or Benintendi get moved because I think the Red Sox, the Red Sox are definitely going to be selling, but I think they're going to be selling off some of their lower uh, value pieces. So I definitely see a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. being on the move. I also see a guy like Mitch Moreland, who's, who's you know, being really productive this season. The Red Sox are definitely going to take advantage of that. They should definitely move on from Moreland um, and get whatever they can in return. Um, yeah, like Nick mentioned with JD, I think I think his contract is is what's going to stop a lot of teams. But at the same time, I think it's the contract that the Red Sox are trying to get rid of. So I wouldn't doubt it if they if they get real aggressive about trying to move JD. Um, and with Benintendi, yeah, I mean, sure, should they be open to trading Benintendi? Absolutely. But at the same time, as a franchise, they have to step back and and kind of decide if they're willing to give up on their project because Benintendi is their guy, and I think a lot of us. You know, I think Benintendi was wasn't Benintendi runner up for third place or something like that for rookie of the year, like in 2017 with Judge. Like, so everyone saw him being like really, really productive. And I think, I, I mean, even me personally, I think I think he can still be very, very productive. I just don't know if he's gonna 
turn into the guy, like I said before, that the Red Sox had envisioned he would turn into. So with those two, they might get moved. Um, but yeah, I simply don't know with the Red Sox. I do think they're going to be in sell mode though. Yeah. And, and I guess they kind of should be, man. Like uh, it, it can't be fun times in Boston. Uh, let's, let's move on. Cause like I said, we have, we have a special guest here, Nicole Fernandez and she brings a lot of value to us, man. She, she came, she came through and she's done a great, amazing things in the world of baseball. And we don't want to, we don't want to pass that up. So, Nicole, are you ready for some some hardcore questions from us? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's get started off. You know, you, you know, you mentioned that you worked in the for the World Baseball Classic for Team Columbia, and you know, we we love the World Baseball Classic, especially as you know, one as baseball fans, but I know for me specifically as a Dominican, uh, Jose Reyes has been my captain for the last uh, few of these World Baseball Classics. But what was it like covering the World Baseball Classic for Columbia? That was pretty awesome. In 2016, I got the opportunity to join the team, um, Colombiano Samovi. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's like a social media platform dedicated to Colombian baseball players. And again, I did that for almost four years for free, but it was an opportunity for me to get access to things I wouldn't otherwise. Um, The first thing was the World Baseball Classic, which was awesome. Uh, I was with the team the whole week, and... The atmosphere, especially in Marlins Park, like it's it was here in my hometown. It, it was awesome, and I'm sorry, but we made the Dominicans sweat. You know, they thought Colombia couldn't play, and we brought it. So that was awesome to see, <laughs> especially to be up there, like in the media booth. It was like maybe 15 Dominican um, reporters and like two or three Colombians, and myself, the only the only woman. So it was awesome that. I guess the world got to see that Colombia has baseball and we're coming for it the next time there's a World Baseball Classic. So that was pretty awesome. Just to see the players too. A lot of them, I knew them, um, again, from reporting them, um, interviewing them beforehand and seeing them in, in this platform like worldwide was pretty awesome because a lot of them come from humble beginnings. And Colombia is a country that focuses a lot on soccer. So baseball is not looked on um, as like a big sport. But this year we actually have, right, currently we have seven. One was actually called up now. So we have eight Colombian in the MLB. So that's pretty awesome to to witness. And, you know, as a journalist and as a Colombian and all that, to see them, you know, grow. A lot of them, I also know them from like the minors. So it's cool to see them now making a big, like Gio in the Yankees. I remember when he was in the minors in Cleveland and I got to see him in Arizona. And I got to see him last year in the New York Yankee Stadium. So that's pretty awesome too to see and when, once you follow a player you see all they've done that that's pretty cool so you mentioned a couple you, you mentioned geo Who, who's been your favorite player to cover since you've been doing uh, all these interviews and working with columbia oh i think all of them one of them right now um he's part of slam diego he's luis patino he's 20 years old he's the top prospect he's the number three prospect i believe for the padres and he's actually a player that i interviewed him maybe two years ago you know, he was a young kid, but what made it 10 times better was he's like, you don't remember me. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. He's like, you actually came to my baseball club uh, with game time. And I remember seeing you and I always said, one day you're going to interview me. And now you're, you're interviewing me. And like, I was like, you couldn't say this towards the end. Now I'm like, you know, with so much emotion, you never think like a kid that you're going to help makes it big. So that was pretty awesome. I think each player has a story like Gio too. 
Um, I knew him when he was in Cleveland. I went to Arizona and I saw him over there in spring training. Donovan Solano right now with the Giants, he's overcome a lot. And I also, once when he was way back with the Cards, he was with the Marlins. And now he's got this opportunity with with the San Francisco Giants. So it's pretty cool just to see how much they've overcome. And each player has their story. So That's that's actually an amazing story for Luis Patino. That's that's great. Yeah. That is that is awesome. How, how yeah. old was he when, when he was in, in your camp? Well, he wasn't in the camp. Game Science Foundation, what we do is we donate equipment to different baseball, soccer, softball, and basketball team. And the team that he was part of in 2015, um, I actually went and gave a donation. But again, there was maybe like 100, 200 kids. I didn't really remember all of their faces, but it's pretty cool that he remembered me. And now when I saw, when I see him like on Twitter, everyone's like, Patino, Slam Diego. I'm like, what? This is insane. He just got, made his MLB debut a couple of weeks ago, and now people are talking about him. So that's just pretty awesome, right? Too. I was like, I knew him. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome to watch. You also work with La Vida Baseball, and, and La Vida Baseball is something that's, that's pretty awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, last year, around March, I was approached to be part of the team. They actually wanted me to go to Chicago. But again, since I have Game Time Foundation, I, I started this on my own and I worked so hard towards it on my own and I don't want to put it like behind. So I was like, I told them, I'll be your South Florida correspondent. I won't go to Chicago, but I can do that. And they're like, okay, awesome. So with them, I've been almost a year and a half and, you know, it's freelancing. It's, sometimes I pretty much do whenever there's like assignments or special projects. Uh, but it's been cool because they they've seen the work I've done and they like it. So that's pretty awesome. I've been part of their show. Sometimes um, last year when I was in Colombia for game time, I got to show a little bit of Colombian winter ball on social media. I got to show um, Jorge Alfaro's hometown from Colombia, like his dad's farm. And it's just pretty cool to, to be able to show that, you know, like these players where they come from, everything they work hard towards for it's for like their family. So that's been awesome. And like I mentioned during quarantine, I stay unemployed and two weeks later, like, Hey, would you like to do interviews? I'm like, for sure. So that was pretty awesome that I got to interview big time players. I, I don't think they would ever, maybe I would have gotten that opportunity. For example, Martin Perez right now, he's with the Boston Red Sox and he's doing pretty well. And Salvador Perez, like all these big time players, I've never thought I would interview. And I got to interview them from my house and they were in their kitchen or in in their bedroom or whatnot. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. So you, you mentioned Columbia, Columbia winter ball. And, you know, we know that that's a place where a lot of major leaguers or guys who are kind of like fringe major leaguers, some minor leaguers go to, to pretty much work on their game during the off season. What can you tell us about Columbia winter league? I still think Columbia winter league needs uh, more help or more work, you could say. We're not at the Dominican uh, level. We're not at the Venezuelan level. Even though Venezuela is going through a lot right now politically, they still live and breathe baseball, just like the Dominican Republic. Like I mentioned, Colombia, I still think is still young. I mean, it has a couple of years, maybe 40, 50 years, but I still think it needs more support, more help. And sometimes these players actually go somewhere else to, to play, whether it's Mexico, Puerto Rico, or the Dominican Republic. But it's just cool to see because it gives an opportunity to some minor league players to, you know, keep active in baseball. So, you know, it's it's good that it's growing. It still needs help, 
but I would love to go to Dominican Republic and watch a game. They say that's no joke. So, <laughs> so you, you know, you ha- you've had a lot of roles in your career with baseball. What, what do you think has been your favorite role? I think I get like the best of all the worlds. For example, I think as a fan, I get to enjoy it. Like I love, I go to the games by myself. People always tell me, oh, the Marlins. I'm like, you know, it's it's the closest stadium I got. And I've, I've known the team since Florida Marlins. And I, I don't mind going to the game by myself. And I love the seven inning stretch and, you know, the wave and all that. I think it's pretty awesome. Then as a journalist, I think I get to tell the stories of, especially Colombian or Latin players of everything they've gone through. And I think because of my nonprofit work, I go to really small remote areas and a lot of these players come out of places like that. So it brings in like more real or one-on-one or these players feel more comfortable with me because they know I've gone to where they grew up and they, they didn't have much. So that's pretty awesome as a journalist. And yeah, I think as a philanthropist is awesome because I'm helping baseball grow in, in remote areas. You know, these kids have like the, the will and they want to play and I'm just helping them with the equipment. So that's, that's a help to continue the sport grow, you know, in their area, in the city, or even in their lives. A lot of these kids might not make it to the big leagues, but at least they get to experience the game and it's like a community for them. They have friends and family. So it's bigger than the game. And that's pretty cool. What baseball for me represents, you know, it's more than a game. It's more than a sport. It's what it does for, for everyone. You've mentioned, you've mentioned the game time foundation and this is your foundation. Can you tell us more about that and, you know, maybe how people can can look it up and possibly help with donations or anything that, like that? Sure. Awesome. Uh, well, Game Time Foundation, I started it six and a half years ago. I went to Columbia to do some stories. I actually went to do one on a Yankee scout who actually signed Jose Quintana, who's with the Cubs right now. But he actually signed him before when he was younger to the Yankees for a little bit. And through that story, there was a little boy that was just curious as, as to who I was and he just told me that he loved to play baseball because this coach taught him that. So I say that in that moment, you know, everything changed for me from wanting to be on ESPN and, and whatnot to helping kids like him. So I started with baseball, then I added softball, soccer, and basketball throughout the years. I collect the equipment year-round in Miami, and I personally take it to the kids. Um, I've traveled by bus, by everything you can imagine just to get to these places because I travel to like the main city, which is Barranquilla. And then from there, an hour, two hours, even five hours out to where these kids are. So, you know, I think it's the equipment is very important, but most importantly, it's like the time. Um, You guys can check it out like on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. On Instagram is Game Time Found. I do the pictures. I do the video. uh, I try to upload things every day. So, yeah, it's pretty much, you know, I think planting your seed and helping the world a better place with sports. So sports represents a lot for these kids like I mentioned before a lot of them you know their parents are working and they don't know where to go but they go play baseball it's also a way for them to learn English every time I go visit them they want to know more about English or they want to hear me talk in English so that's you know pretty funny but it's just cool how it represents and it's a way for me to give back to my parents country so it's pretty awesome check it out on Instagram on Facebook um pretty soon I'm, I'm trying to do maybe a raffle with a Gio Shella autographed baseball I also have one from Donovan Solano. I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to do that to raise some funds. But <clears throat> if you stay on Instagram and you guys can stay updated. Well, when that happens, you make sure to let us know because, you know, I, I don't think we have any problem posting that on, on our oh, wow. sites either. Yeah, because, you know, we, we'd love to help any way we can, especially with something as great as that foundation sounds like. Yo, Rob, Nick, do you guys have any questions? 
Yeah, I got one. What was your first sports memory that got you into this world that made you want to be a part of it? Like the baseball world? At all. Baseball world, <laughs> sports in general. Like what made you want to be a part of this world when you were growing up? I think when – I just think sports doesn't have like a barrier. My dad has always been like a big-time soccer fan, like Real Madrid. When we were younger, my sister and I, he would watch soccer like all weekend long. And my sister and I were like rolled our eyes. But I just love how sports – you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter where you're from, what language you speak. As long as you, you know, follow that team, it's awesome. And I remember when the Marlins won a championship and we went over to my dad's friend's house and the barbecue and everyone was excited. And I was like, this is pretty awesome what one team has done for the community or for friends. So that's why I always, you know, was drawn to sports. And that's when I decided to be a sports journalist. So it's pretty awesome. Nice. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, so um, I, I also just had some a quick two questions that I wanted to ask. I know that um, when you talked uh, a little bit earlier about how um, I believe you said that you started watching baseball with with your father. Um, mm-hmm. For for our listeners out there, I just wanted to kind of ask you, um, as just a general fan of baseball, who are some of of the guys that you've liked to see play, or who are some of your favorite players from the past or present or anything like that. Well, I'm a, I'm an, always going to be a Marlins fan. I know people are always like, why? But, you know, since I grew up with them, like right now, right. like ESPN is notifying me that, you know, the Mets actually beat them. So I'm like, no, they're winning. You know, <laughs> I'm that type of fan. Yeah, right. So I just love it. And, and now currently with the Colombian <laughs> players. Um, so I like to keep up, for example, the Yankees. I never really watched, but now with Gio. And last year I got to go to the Yankees stadium. And that stadium really is like for gods like you guys mentioned before that it's like no joke the energy you feel there it's i haven't been to many stadiums but that's pretty cool so i like to follow like the players um the marlins like i mentioned tampa bay is doing pretty cool now too and also with the players i interviewed during quarantine um i got to interview willie adams from tampa so i'm like well cool i'm not i get to keep up with him like i mentioned martin perez from boston i'm like okay the other day i watched a, a game from the brewers because i interviewed abby Saidi garcia so I don't know. I think I like the like the personal connection and all that. So it's pretty cool. 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 Yeah. And I just want to ask one more thing because um, sure. so we had a we have another friend of the podcast here. We had done an episode before um, with Jenna Garcia, um, who's mm-hmm. another uh, Latina who covers baseball. So, you know, we definitely here on the podcast. We appreciate the, the the work that you guys put in. It's great to see more Latinos and Latinas, you know, expanding this this baseball community. As you know, Daniel, Daniel's on the podcast. He's Dominican. I'm on the podcast. I'm Puerto Rican. So it's okay. definitely it's definitely cool when we can connect with um, a lot more Latinos in the community. And, you know, mm-hmm. you were mentioning working the World Baseball Classic. And, you know, me and my dad, we essentially came we we came one win away from having to go blonde for a week. Because we were on that whole team, you know, we were on Team Rubio yes. flow. Like, yeah. if Team Puerto Rico won the World Baseball Classic, me and my dad were going blonde for a week. So, th- well, that you would have won if you would have gone blonde during it. You should, hey, you lost your look, chance. Look, man, look, man, we're not, we're not going to worry about that. We're not going to worry about that. But you know, we came close. We came close. But yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to ask, you know, since since you've done so many, so many things so far, and you know, even your, even you yourself, you were shocked a little bit when Daniel was was reading the things that you've done what what is next like what is what is something that you would just like to do or like to accomplish in your career you know when when it's all said and done what's something that you just want to check off check off your list to have done in your career well for me 
keep growing game time. Like I mentioned, I'm, I'm doing this by myself. I have two to three part-time jobs before quarantine so I can pay my bills, so I can have time to grow game time because I personally go deliver things. I stay over there four to five weeks in Colombia. Mm. So I just really, I would love to work full-time with game time you know, being financially stable there because it's hard, but I guess with sacrifice and it's awesome to, when I heard back everything you guys were saying, because, you know, I had this vision and idea. A lot of people told me I was crazy. A lot of people told me just focus on your career, but I feel when you impact and help others, it's like the way to live, right? Your career is great and you get to tell stories, but what are you doing with that career? So I think it's awesome. I've gotten to do that. So I want to keep growing. A lot of people also tell me, oh, you're like, you're helping grow like the Colombian baseball here in the U.S. and I've never really thought about it, but it's cool because I do have all this experience. I've, I have all this knowledge, so it's awesome that I get to share it, especially like right now with you guys. So, I just think it's it's there's a lot of endless possibilities. I would like to be an author, maybe like a children's book author with sports, maybe with baseball, maybe just you know throwing it out there to the universe. <laughs> yeah. I have some ideas written down, so let's see what happens soon, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that's definitely pretty cool because I, I I think you know we're we're all well aware when you're talking like Latinos in baseball, you know, there's there's kind of like the tiers, you know, so it's like you get a lot of Puerto Ricans, you get a lot of Dominicans, yeah. a lot of guys from Venezuela. Colombia is kind of like one of those, you know, Colombia, Mexico are kind of those spots where yeah. like you'll get a couple guys here or there. Exactly. Um, so yeah, definitely we look forward to to Colombia expanding in the MLB and and. And definitely for you to continue accomplishing things in, in your career, you know, like you said, with 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 your foundation, I mean, we, we hope you keep accomplishing more things. And and, you know, I, I think the thing for you is is you kind of seem like you would you kind of want more of those uh, like uh, Patino stories, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, young kids that you can influence. And then down the line, they're like, hey, remember when you you know, remember when you did this for me? So like, yeah, that's, that's definitely something pretty cool to hear. Yeah. And it's something you don't expect because I think when you work from like your heart, you know, you really enjoy what you do and your main goal is something else, but you impact these little kids so much. That's why you mentioned the equipment is great, but it's like the time. Right. So maybe you guys once can go to Colombia or maybe we can go to DR Puerto Rico and game time goes and delivers equipment because I think yeah. it's pretty awesome. You guys as a team to, to be part of that because in baseball, we talk about it, but once you see it and especially in little kids eyes who don't have much, but when they see a, a brand new baseball, you're like, wow, you take for granted that you get to sit in, for us, at least in the stadium with AC. But these kids are happy to see a brand new baseball because they've never seen a new one. So right. this is awesome. So hopefully you guys, we can do something together. Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Colombia. Yeah. We'll take Nick too. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. We got to we gotta form a little uh, SSAW and a game time union here. <laughs> of course. You heard that, Nick. Drop the kids off at, at the grandparents or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going Definitely. on a Latin cruise and we're hitting every stop possible. There you go. <laughs> I already have my ticket. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Nicole, thank you for coming on. We we, we love it. Uh, you know, we we hope you come back on for future episodes. Quite. Uh, where where can our listeners find you on on your social media handles? Sure, on Game Time, like I mentioned before, on Instagram or Twitter is Game Time Found, like Game Time Foundation or GameTimeFoundation.org. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, Nicole, F-E-R underscore. I like to tweet away a lot of things, especially that's going on and the Colombian players. So if you guys want to keep up with Colombian players, you can follow me. And yeah, thank you guys for this opportunity for what you guys are doing. And you you guys are also planning your seed of of baseball. So it's pretty awesome.
We love it. Yeah, and and for all of our listeners, thank you guys for for listening to the show. We'll be back next week. Uh, we're gonna break down what happened after the trade deadline. If anything happens, it, it could be it could be a slow week uh, depending on how this year goes. But Nick, Rob, Nicole, thank you guys for for being on again. Everyone else, we'll, we'll catch you guys next time. And as always, you can find us on our Facebook page on SAW. That's where we're primarily located, where we pretty much have all our sports content. And you can keep up with, with Rob, Nick, and I and just find our other podcast on on that uh, on that Facebook page. You know, Cover Zero. You know, we have we have what else do we have? We have the Olsen and Abe show who premieres their show every Wednesday live, as well as another a whole bunch of other podcasts that we have on there. So find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on, on Instagram, on Instagram we're TSAW, on, on Twitter we're SAW. So anywhere you guys uh, have your sports media, we're pretty much available. So we'll catch you guys next time.